Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going to come around the word this morning, and uh, in the time that we have, I really want to speak to what the nature and character of God is in giving us the gift of Jesus Christ. The title of the message is The Wonder of His Love. The wonder of His love. Because it is a, a mystery, but it's a mystery revealed. But at the same time, it's something to behold. Something that, like, wow, God, what, what was it about us? that it's, The Bible says even while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. God, what do you see in me that I don't even see in myself? And for some of us, we, we don't see the intrinsic value that God has already put inside of us. But God who created you, He sees you and He sees the value and the potential that's already there, even if you don't see it yourself. So the wonder of His love, and we're going to highlight three specific things about God. And the first is this, that He's a God of preparation. He's a God of preparation. So thinking about the wonder of His love, out of love, God prepares. You know, some of you, out of an abundance of love for your family, you've cooked up a storm and some of you are like, I hope, Pastor John, you don't preach long because I got to go home and hurry up and get everything ready because we got family coming over. Well, you're going to hate me today, don't you? But, but here's the beauty, right? You understand when we say out of love, you prepare, you, you get ready, you spend lots of money on food and all the fixings so that you can show your family, look, I, I did all this for you. The wonder of his love points to God as a God of preparation. And in Scripture, I'm gonna, we're going to look at just a few examples, but that's point one. He's the God of preparation. And God sees to it that you are in good company. As a Christian, you're in great company. If you look around this room, you realize, oh, I'm not alone in this walk with Jesus. But that's why the church is important. And the assembled church as a gathering is important. Don't forsake getting together with your brothers and sisters because they're the ones when you're down they, they can tell and they're able to pull you up when you're rejoicing we're supposed to come around and celebrate with you it's like yes you got that promotion not that we get envious and jealous and so God sees to it that you are in good company and in scripture there are some great examples the first I want to look at is Mary and Elizabeth Mary and Elizabeth, I'm, we're going to get to a lot of scripture, but I'm just going to highlight a few of them. This is in Luke chapter 1, verse 36. The, the angel Gabriel is appeared, has appeared to Mary and has told her, you're going to carry this special child. But he says in verse 36 of Luke 1, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age which was a miracle in and of itself. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And then verse 37 says, for the word of God will never fail. Amen. Or another translation says, for nothing is impossible with God. 
And some of you, that's the word you got to tuck in your back pocket as we round out the year and head into a brand new year. For the word of God will never fail. And I see it as God saying to Mary, you know, you just heard this amazing news from the angel Gabriel. And at first she was startled and confused because he's like, you know, highly favored. You're going to have this child and he'll be the savior of the world. There's a lot of weight on that announcement. But when I see the angel also telling her, and by the way, Elizabeth is six months pregnant. It's, it's, I see it as God saying, and you're not alone either as a new mom, as a young mom. Uh, you can, you know, it says a few days later, she went to visit with Elizabeth. It's interesting. And, and in verse 42, when she's showing up to see Elizabeth a few days after this amazing announcement, Elizabeth gives this prophetic word to Mary, almost as if to confirm this life-changing announcement that Mary had just received. And this is what Elizabeth says in verse 42. It says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. But how did Elizabeth know? Right? So God takes care and he is preparing the way. God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Verse 43, why am I so honored that the mother, listen to this, of my Lord should visit me, or yeah, should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I want to just remind you that if God said something, He's going to do it, but also He's preparing the way. So He's a God of preparation. So we see as this big news comes to Mary, well, she's got someone she can relate with in her cousin Elizabeth. Then God continues to prepare the way. See, Mary had Elizabeth, Jesus has John the Baptist. You see this? And in Luke chapter 1, we're going to go a little back, a couple of verses, verse 15. John the Baptist, it says of him, this baby John to Elizabeth, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That will mess with some of our thinking in this modern world about the value of a life and when is a, a fetus, is that a real baby and abortion. It, it, it smashes the argument how can an unborn child be filled with the Holy Spirit unless it's alive? Think about it. And so it is said of John in Luke 1 verse 15 that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And remember when Mary shows up, she goes, ooh, the baby leapt within me at your arrival. So there was something already stirring inside of her baby, John. But then in verse 17, it says, John will prepare, there's that word, John will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Who's the, who's, who's the Lord? Jesus. So Mary had Elizabeth and Jesus had John. And John was gonna be the one to prepare the way for his arrival. And John had a ministry, but he said, but someone greater is coming. I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire. And he said, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals. And so 
This is how God shows Himself as a God of preparation. He not only gives a word, but He actually paves the highway for the, these things to happen. And then, as if that wasn't enough, you know, Mary had Elizabeth, Jesus had John, and what about you? Well, you have the Holy Spirit. He hasn't forgotten about you today. And when Jesus is being revealed, he actually, we'll see it at the end of the message, but He is Emmanuel, God with us. And, and that's who He is. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So you might say, yeah, but you know, that's cool. Mary had Elizabeth and Jesus had John, and what about me, I'm alone? Well, maybe that's the script that you've told yourself, but as a child of God, you're actually never alone. Yeah. You might be, have no one physically around you perhaps. Maybe you're here today in church, maybe you're watching online and after this service, you know, oh, it's nice, everyone goes home to family, I'm going home to be alone because I have no family. But I want to encourage your heart today. Be, be glad in this fact that with Jesus, He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I know some of you here, it's because you moved to Canada and you have no other family here. The rest of the family's back home. But hear me today that Jesus is with you and you can find all that you need in who Jesus Christ is. And then when Jesus left, this is why he had to leave. His disciples were like, what do you mean? He goes, I must go so that someone even better could come. He said, my Holy Spirit, he's going to be your comforter. He's going to walk with you and talk with you when no one else is around. And so I'm grateful that we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We have the Holy Spirit. But God prepared the way so that the church can be empowered, but have the ministry of the Holy Spirit available. And so He is a God of preparation. And He's not only a God of preparation, but point two, He's a God of purpose. Anything that God does, He does because there's intention and purpose tied to it. He's a God of purpose. And I want to share with you some of the many reasons why Jesus came. In fact, my son was doing some homework this week and uh, my memory was drawn back to it. And I said, Josiah, can you actually send me the PDF from your Christian education class? And I said, I want to use it in my sermon. So this is the part. Um, so there's a list and I remember doing it with him for homework. But then I said, you know what? It's a great reminder. Like, why did Jesus actually come? Why did he have to come? God, if he's a God of preparation and now he's a God of purpose, well, then why did Jesus come? I want to share a lot of scripture. Um, thankfully, this is live streamed. You could go home later if you can't catch all the scripture references and write it down. Uh, but, but I'm going to give you some. But in Romans 15 verse 8, why, we're giving you the reasons why Jesus came. He came so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. There were promises made, but then he wanted them to be fulfilled. And so that's one of the reasons Jesus came. Mark 10, 45 tells us Jesus came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus have to come? Well, Hebrews 2 verse 18 says to help those who are being tempted. I'm grateful that we have someone who was tempted on all parts, but yet did not sin. 
Jesus, make me more like you. John 6, 38, why did Jesus come? He came to do the will of him who sent him, his father. In Ephesians 2, 14, why did Jesus come? He came to be our peace and to destroy the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In Luke 19, 10, we're reminded that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Are you grateful if you're found today? I'm grateful that he came to seek and save me when I was still lost and in sin. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus came to help those who are weary and burdened and to give them rest. Some of you, you need to receive that. Jesus came to carry the burden and to give you rest. 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22, Jesus came to provide an example of how Christians should live. And in John 18, 37, Jesus came to testify to the truth. Can I just say for a second, because I hear this a lot, and I've seen videos on YouTube, and a lot of us, sometimes we get our information from YouTubers and influencers, and they're like, just speak your truth. Speak your, there is no truth outside of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who created this world and you and me in it and everything that we know as normal. And there's no, there's no my truth. My life is built upon him. Therefore, it is his truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So be careful. I'm just saying this. Be careful when someone starts to, I'm just going to speak my truth. Well, you mean Jesus' truth or what you think is true? Because a lot of people are a little, <laughs> you got to be careful. Okay, well, where, what's the source of your truth? Because if you never stop to consider that from whoever's speaking, be, be very careful. And we have a lot of people walking around deceived because they've listened to someone's truth, which is based upon what? But our faith, our lives are built upon his word, precept after precept, word upon word. He is the living word. There's no other truth except for Jesus Christ. And I don't have time. That's a whole other message we can preach one day. But Jesus came to testify to the truth. John 18, 37. Matthew 5, 17. Why did Jesus come? To fulfill the law and prophets. And then 1 John 3, 8. Why did Jesus come? This is one of my favorite ones. To destroy the devil's work or the works of the devil. Think about that. Jesus didn't lose when he died because he rose and he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. He could never be defeated. We said it last Sunday that light always triumphs over darkness. And so the devil's been already defeated. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. He's a God of purpose. And then the last one I want to share, Luke 4.18. Why did Jesus come? He came to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. That's why Jesus came. So if you always wonder, like, oh, Christmas, this baby, like, what's the deal? Like, Jesus didn't stay a baby. So some of us have this cute picture of the manger, and we kind of, like, bask in the glow, and oh, it's so nice. And 
But when you understand the, the whole of Jesus' purpose for coming, you start to say, wow, God, thank you. I said this last Sunday, it started in the womb, but God had the world in mind. It started in the womb, but God had the world in mind, you and me. And so it's amazing when we begin to understand the wonder of his love. And out of the wonder of his love, he prepares. He makes ready. He, he says, okay, Mary, you need some encouragement and some confirmation because this is out of this world news that you just heard. You got Elizabeth. Okay, Jesus, before he comes, he's got to have someone who's going to start preparing the hearts of people. So, John, you're going to be the forerunner. By the way, Elizabeth, she was old and so was her husband Zechariah, and she was barren, the scriptures say. So it was an impossible situation for both Mary and Elizabeth. But God works through impossibilities, and he is the God of the possible, and the God of the impossible. So that's the God of preparation, he's the God of promise. Uh, uh, sorry, that's the next one. Purpose, the next one's promise. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he's the God of purpose. So if God is doing something, uh, maybe you can't put a finger on what he's actually up to in your life. But if it is God, then there's a purpose attached to it. I do want to be careful to say sickness is not something that God gives you for purpose. To, to, to teach you something. We get sick and sickness exists because we're in a fallen world. And because of the sin of one man, death entered the world. So that sinful nature is transferred through all people because we're all born of flesh. But here's the important thing. Right? So I want to be very clear. God will not make someone sick to teach them a lesson and to humble them, to make them, you know, get closer to God. In our sickness, though, because we're in a fallen world and we all are going to die one day, we, we usually draw close to the Lord. A lot of people hit rock bottom, and it's not just physical sickness. It could be my bank account's at zero. I can't afford anything, and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And it's when we hit those rock-bottom moments where we tend to cry out for help. And guess who always hears those cries? God the Father. And he's still Emmanuel, the God who came near. You know, that testimony that Joanne shared, you know, I don't know if the, the boy who said, hey, want to come over to my house, whether he was a Christian or not. But you can't deny that a life was spared that day. And we don't know how God works and through what avenues. But there are testimonies that we have here in this church of, of people who wanted to commit suicide. And God just said, this is not your end. And I'm grateful that he has a way of interrupting our plans for his better plan and purpose for our lives. So God prepares, and, and God is a God of purpose. And then lastly, he's a God of promise, but then also he fulfills his promise. He doesn't just make a whole bunch of claims. I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that, and I'll do that, and then doesn't follow through. The Bible says of him that he is not a man that he should lie. That, that's telling of who I am. I'm a man, and sometimes I don't keep my word. I try my best, 
But when God says something, he means it and he's going to come through. Not on your terms, on his terms. So if he hasn't answered you yet on a word that he's given you and you're holding on to it, it just means it's not time yet. You hang on. Don't, don't abandon ship. You hang on and you wait. You know how many prophecies were given in the Old Testament of the coming Messiah? And the people were waiting and we're, how long, how long, how many hundreds of years have to go by? And then finally, we find Jesus. I remember growing up, I watched a series called Smallville. Anyone watch Smallville? A few of you, right? It's about Superman. And it's like everything changed that day where there was the meteor shower and his little spaceship crashed on earth and this baby and these parents find him. And I think of that, and I can't help as a preacher to go, they think that's a good story. They should read the Bible and see what God did when he sent Jesus uh, in a very humble way, but who would ultimately transform lives until he comes again. And this is the beauty of it. He's a God of promises, but then he also comes through on his promises. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 says, All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And this is what it says. It's quoting from Isaiah 7, verse 14. But Matthew 1, 23 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So it was prophesied hundreds of years before, thousands. And yet, here we, we get to this point where it's actually being fulfilled. He's the God of promises, but he comes through on his promises, on his word. I'm going to ask if uh, Natalie and Rachel would come back up, but I want to land the sermon on a story in Luke chapter 2. And there's a woman named, actually we're going to talk about Simeon. We're not going to really talk about Anna, although you could read about Anna. She was a prophet and she was waiting for this day to arrive. But let me give you a bit of context. So when Jesus was eight days old, they brought him to the temple to dedicate him because the law said that if you have a firstborn son, you bring this son and you dedicate him to the Lord. So at eight days old, Jesus was brought to the temple and Anna is there. You, you can read about her, but she was full of joy to, to hear this. But then also there's a man named Simeon. Simeon means to hear. Simeon means to hear. And I just want to read out of scripture, starting at verse 25. We're going to read a little bit. Is that okay? Amen. Right? I would say amen if I was out there and a pastor said we're going to read the word more than hearing some guy's opinion of the word. So I want to read to you what it says. Verse 25, Luke chapter 2. There's a little title in my, scripture, in my Bible about this passage, uh, although that's added by man later. But the title is The Prophecy of Simeon. And here's what it says, Luke 2.25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. At that time, meaning eight days after Jesus was born and he was brought to the temple. At that time, he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
So how did he know? Well, because God made promises in the Old Testament that this is going to happen. But I want you to catch this. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And verse 26 said, And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That, that's a promise. That's a big promise. Okay, Lord, I'm going to hold on to that promise. Verse 27, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. Wasn't the day before. It wasn't the day after. That day, who led him? The Spirit. Just a good reminder, don't be led by your flesh, by what looks good and smells good and sounds good. Be led as sons and daughters by his Holy Spirit. And it says that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. I just got to stop. I need to say this for whoever's in the room today. Let me talk to you about the value of being in the room. Oh, you wake up, it's Sunday morning, let's say. It could be another day of the week where you're supposed to gather with, with your Bible study, whatever that looks like. But I'm going to say Sunday. And the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to go to church. You need to be in the room. You need to, you know, you're tired. Get an extra shot of espresso, another coffee. Get to church. And the Holy Spirit will do all that he can to get you in the right place at the right time. Because why? God's been preparing. God is a God of purpose. God is a God of promise. And if you opt out, you might miss the answer to the promise. And I just want, I say that with passion. I'm not angry because I'm, I'm tired and I get very sad when I hear people saying, well, where's God in this? And I've been holding, he is not forgotten. Just be ready to show up. Just be ready when the Holy Spirit is nudging you that you are obedient enough as a child, not disobedient like, like I am sometimes as a child growing up, like I was. If God is a God of preparation, then my heart says, God, you've been preparing something for me. If God is a God of purpose, then I say, Lord, what you're doing in my life, I might not be able to put my finger on it, but I know it's bigger and it's better than what I could ever imagine. Because he says he'll do exceedingly, abundantly, far beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. So then that, that's true then of you, God. Now, if you're God of promise, and I know I've, I've received this promise, this word, if I haven't had the answer yet, and I've been consistently showing up, I've bent my ear to say, Lord, when you speak, I will obey. Well, if you say right, I'll go right. If you say it's left, I'm going to go left. And God, I'm with you. Then I, I promise you, God is not going to pass you by or pass out that, on that promise. He's not going to opt out and skip it. He's not a man like you and me that we say one thing and then do another. Or I meant to do it, but then I got busy. That's not God. That's how we operate. That's not how he operates. So stop thinking about God through your human understanding of how people fail and begin to enjoy the wonder of his love. To say, God, thank you for the promise. So here's Simeon. On that day, he shows up. 
led by the Spirit, so that, so this is God orchestra. God prepared this for Simeon, and I hope and pray that you catch this for your own life. So he said, here's the promise that you will live to see the Messiah, and God's been preparing it so that eight days now the Holy Spirit is leading him, and listen to what it says. It says that, verse 28, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. By the way, the salvation that Jesus offers, is it just for a few people? No. Simeon had it right that day. As he was praising the Lord, it was also a prophetic word. I have seen your salvation, meaning this child is the Savior of the world. I have seen your salvation. Though he was holding a baby, it wasn't that it was just to be a baby, that he would one day grow up and carry the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders. I have seen your salvation, which you've prepared for all people. In verse 32, he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. God has a plan for your life, and he's preparing, setting the table, so to speak. There's a purpose behind everything he does. And when everything is fully aligned, the promises of God come to pass. And it's true of Mary and Elizabeth. It was true of John the Baptist, the foreigner of Jesus, for Jesus himself. And I want to say it's not just true of Simeon and then it skips us. It's true of you and me today too. I believe some of you, you are here this morning, maybe watching online, because God orchestrated it in such a way that you would find yourself in the room that you would find yourself hearing this message. It's not from a man, but I'm just the mouthpiece of God. And my one prayer every time I preach is, God, would you fill my mouth with the words you want me to speak? And if there's something that you don't want me to say, I won't say it. Help me to be that in tune with you, Holy Spirit. And I believe in this room that he's speaking to hearts. And how, how does it, if you don't know what his voice sounds like, you won't know, but it feels like a tug like right here. And it's an uneasy feeling sometimes because it's uncomfortable when the Holy Spirit starts to say, hey, 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 this is for you. Hey, that you need to receive this. Make some room in your heart, not just your head, but in your heart to receive this word today. And the scripture ends this passage with Simeon in verse 33. It says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Remember, they're brand new parents. They just received this crazy revelation. Now this child's born, eight days old, and they're hearing Simeon saying all these things, which confirm what the angel Gabriel told Mary and Joseph, that he's going to be the savior of the world. And so it, it, it says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, listen, to I want you to catch this, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. 
He has been sent as a sign from God, but many people will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's what Simeon told this new mom named Mary, which only points to the reality that he was going to be the savior of the world, and the wonder of his love didn't stop with the cute baby in a manger, but it continued for 33 years through his life until he reached the end of his earthly life, his ministry, which essentially would be that he would die for the sins of the world. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And so to satisfy the law, because Jesus didn't come to abolish it and to do away with it, he came to fulfill it. So he had, there had to be the shedding of blood in the Old Testament for sins to be forgiven, which they would sacrifice animals. And that's why Jesus is then called the pure, spotless Lamb of God. You have to understand the Old Testament for that name to make sense and to have the weight that it should carry. But he is the pure, spotless Lamb of God. They used to have to have the, all these specific requirements under the law for the kind of sacrifice and the kind of lamb. It had to be uh, free of blemish. And so when Jesus came, he was sinless. He lived a perfect life because he had to set the example for you and me. Not that we'll ever attain perfection. One day we will when this body transforms and I get my glorified body. But the reality is we've been created to enjoy this life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full, life that overflows. But here's the, the real reason why. It's that our eternity would be established with him in heaven. And when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, think about the words, I am the way. How do we get to heaven? Well, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You mean the baby that was born? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's part of the promise. So when Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, he was essentially saying, when I lay down my life, people will have that opportunity to know God as their heavenly Father because I am the bridge. I'm the way to getting there. There are not many ways to God. Jesus is the only way. And it's fascinating. I'm the way. So thank you, Lord. I am the truth. There's no other truth. Absolute truth is found in Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you, you're living, but you're like zombies. And I don't watch the zombie shows, but... You understand when I say zombies, I'm, it's like you're alive, but you're actually dead to yourself. You're, you're just like going through life on autopilot. There's no joy. There's no purpose. There, there's no hope. And then it leads you to wonder, what's the reason? What's the purpose then? And when you find Jesus, you find purpose. 
you realize, God, your, your love is so amazing. And as we come around this close of this service, here's the one simple thing we're going to do, and then we're going to end the service. But we, we do Christmas service, even if it wasn't on a Sunday morning, we would do a Christmas Eve service usually. Because it is such a great opportunity to give an invitation to people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. To choose today to say yes. Understanding now that God has been preparing. God has a purpose for why you're here today. And that God's promises never fail. He comes through on his word then my invitation to you is, why don't you receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive? It is Jesus Christ. And his promises, he will transform you from the inside out. That means I can't visually tell who's going to pray this prayer, but we will ask that you would lift a hand. We just want to acknowledge it's not to embarrass. But I'm just setting the table for you to make that decision. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But it also says, choose this day whom you will serve. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. It says, choose this day whom you will serve. Some of you, you already serve the Lord. This is just a great reminder to keep Christ at the center. To make sure you're living for his kingdom, not for your own. That you're building his kingdom, not your own empire. The legacy offering that we do, it, you know, it takes humility to give. It takes sacrifice to give. But it's because his kingdom is a worthy investment. It also reminds me that as much as I enjoy my own money, that it's better spent when I invested in the kingdom. It's better and it keeps Christ at the center of my finances as well. But hear me today. If he's not at the center of your life, who cares about giving money? He cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. And the invitation that I want to extend is an invitation of his love and to receive the right relationship that only comes when you fully surrender to Jesus. You know, here's a truth that sin will separate us from a holy God. It's 100% true. That's why Jesus had to come. He had to come that, that he died for our sins to redeem us and that we might have a right relationship with God. So in the simplistic form, I want to share one more verse, John 3.16. I already quoted it. But then I'm going to give you an opportunity and I'm going to ask you to lift your hand because the Bible says this is a day of decision. I will serve the Lord. And so I want to ask, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Listen, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever would believe in him, put their trust in him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's speaking of eternity, not just you're going to live forever here, you won't die. No, you're going to get old, God willing, and die. But you're going to live forever with him in eternity. 
That's the promise of this gift that we receive, which is Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you've never confessed Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you ought to repent of your sin, number one, and turn and follow Christ. Make Him Lord and Savior of your life. And when you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, Romans 10 says, you will be saved. And so choose this day whom you will serve. If you're here and you know you're not serving the Lord, I want to give you this invitation. Again, it's not to embarrass you, but I'm going to count to three. Last Sunday, we had someone raise their hand. They, they didn't even wait till I counted to three. But why do I count to three? Because it forces you. I don't like the word force, but it leads you to choose. It's an opportunity, but it leads you to make a decision. It's yes or no. And if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, it is your choice to make. And I'm here to remind you the love of God. There's so much wonder wrapped up in it. And this Christmas, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift you could ever receive. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, but you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you want to say yes. And you're saying, Pastor, today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I want to invite you on the count of three to slip your hand up real quick and high enough that I can just acknowledge it and then we're going to pray. On the count of three, one, two, and three. Choose this day whom you will serve. Is there anyone here? I see hands at the back. Anyone else here? I'm just going to scan. I see that hand at the very back. God bless you. You could put it down. Anyone else? If you're watching online, it's hard for me to see, but you can just put a hands up emoji as an act of deciding today. Just before we pray, I want just to sing um, that chorus, Christ is the center. And then um, I'll, I'll lead us through this portion. But hang tight, we're gonna pray in just a second for those who lifted their hands. Go ahead. Christ is our portion. Christ, our devotion. Christ is the center of our lives. He is our obsession. He is our confession. Christ is the center of our lives. And so as we just sang, Christ is my confession, some of you who lifted your hand, you might not know how to confess or how to receive him. So I want to lead you into this prayer. And if you lifted your hand especially, this prayer is for you. But I'm going to invite whosoever will to pray with us as we ask Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. So would you pray this with me? Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am this Christmas Eve. I choose to receive the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. So willingly today, I choose to repent of my sin and I turn to Christ and now I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that, God, you raised them from the dead. And so I give you my life 
and I receive you by faith. I thank you that I will never be the same again. And as the scriptures declare, the old me is dead and gone. And behold, I'm a new creation. So thank you for making me brand new. And thank you that I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen and thank the Lord together today? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Before we leave, we're going to sing the bridge of this song in a second that says, as for me in my house, we will love you, we will serve you, we will obey you. We're going to sing those words as a declaration. But first, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you were rededicating your life to Christ, I want to give you a simple step of action. I would ask that you would fill out that same black connect card that I talked about earlier. But on it, there's a, some boxes you can check that say, I'm making a first time decision for Jesus. And I ask that you would take time to fill it out. I mean it, even if you want to do it right now. It is very important because we believe no one should do this life alone. And so if you would fill it out, let us know. We also want to send you a gift in your inbox. It's an ebook that a friend of ours wrote called Following Jesus. So you prayed this prayer, now what? what? What happens next? So I want to get that to you as soon as possible. So please do that. And number two, find a church that you can call home. And number three, keep coming back. If you're a new Christian, you prayed that prayer today. We're, we're proud of you as a church. Can we say amen, church? But make sure you get planted now in the family of God. I want us to sing this part as we close our Christmas Eve service today. And may it be your personal declaration. If your parents in the room or grandparents, you can extend that as a declaration over your family as well. But may it be true of us that Christ is the center because we want him there. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.